Welcome to the Reunion Church Podcast. We're a community following Jesus, seeking the good of our city. We hope today's teaching is both challenging and encouraging. If we could be a resource to you on your spiritual journey, don't hesitate to reach out via our website at reunionnyc.com. Um, I'm going to read our teaching text and then Emily is going to bring the word today. Uh, Mark chapter 8 verses 1 through 10. In those days, when again, a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowds because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, how can one feed these people with no bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? They said seven, and he directed the crowds to sit down on the ground, and he took seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the people, and they set them before the crowd, and they had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them, and they ate and were satisfied, and they took up the broken pieces left over in seven basketfuls, and there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. This is the word of the Lord. Morning, everyone. Sorry about that. I just realized my phone is up here, too. Good morning again, everyone. I was really excited to be preaching on July 4th weekend because I thought, you know, everyone's out of town. There's not going to be that much people. And if you look to your left and to your right, we've got a full house today. So I was very wrong. Um, But my name is Emily. For those of you who haven't been able to meet me yet, I would love to meet you after service. Um, But also, I tend to overshare in my sermon. So we're about to get really close today. Um, And good morning to our virtual participants. Like Russell said, if you're on a beach or if you're out of town for July 4th, enjoy. I do not wish traffic upon your life. Um, But uh, if you haven't joined us just yet, maybe you're not comfortable coming in because of COVID still, um, I do want to encourage you to just connect with this community. I have been out of town for two weekends now, and I've missed being with you all. So, yeah, however you feel comfortable doing that, whether that's reaching out to us um, or coming to service, you're welcome. Uh, So, yeah, so I've been on vacation for the past two weekends, and vacation is great. Relaxation is awesome. But I found myself waking up last Sunday really sad that I wasn't here, Um, really longing to be in community with you all, because last week was really hard. And we just entered the second half of 2022, and I feel like I've shared that understatement way too many times already. Uh, So I want to pray for us because I think that a lot's been going on in our world, a lot's been going on in our city. Um, And then I want to dive into what God has to say to us because I truly believe that he always has a response for our suffering. And we're sweaty, Lord God. We just thank you for a break from the cold, long winter. Um, And I just pray that you may open up our hearts, that you may open up our minds, God. God, 
it's hard to be honest with ourselves about our weaknesses and our shortcomings, Lord. And And may come from your heart, Lord Jesus, and that we all leave here feeling restored, feeling satisfied, Lord Jesus, and feeling redeemed by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to be taking a lot of pauses today just because it's, it's a lot, right? I feel it in the room. Um, but let's start with the word of God. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, the title of this teaching comes straight from the text, again. And there are a lot of ways to read this word. There's a lot of parents in the room, and I'm sure if you're on a swing set pushing your kid, your kid's like, again, 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 I want to do it again, mom and dad. I'm not a parent, I don't know, but I definitely was that kid. Um, or, you know, if you turn to a teenager and your mom asks you to take out the garbage, your dad is telling you to clean the dishes, and you're like, Again, really, again. I don't know why my teenage voice is deeper. Um, <laughs> but then when you turn into an adult, that again becomes really sorrowful, full of grief. Like, really, God? Again? We're doing this again? Am I having this moment again? And Mark really tunes into this, and he kind of takes us on this journey. We've been on this journey with him for a while now as a church, and it's like, really? This is the 900th time that we hear a big crowd following Jesus. Again, it's as though the author Mark is trying to show us how exhausting it is to be in Jesus' footsteps. Um, and yet we also know the again moments that exist in our lives. These past two weekends, I've experienced so many of them. So in the span of 10 days, I flew out on airplanes four times. Um, and I flew on an airline that shall not be named, we can talk later, and every single flight was delayed. First time around, I get in, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm excited to be on vacation, um, we're going to celebrate my dad for Father's Day, and they announced that the plane is there, but the flight crew is delayed. And I was like, okay, like, let's, you know, let's give some grace to our flight crew, cool. Then I'm on my way back home, and our captain is delayed. And I was like, okay. Then I go again, same airline, and the captain is delayed again. And I'm like, come on, y'all. Like, we had this problem last week. What's going on? Airport delays again. Um, and so I was a grooms person at this wedding that I went to last weekend. Um, and grooms people have a lot of responsibilities. I didn't know this. I've never been a grooms person, always been a bridesmaid. Um, <laughs> Who knew? And uh, I went to the bachelor party, met like 10 other people, um, all dudes, like really hyped to like be seeing their friend get married. I was the only girl there. And I was like, okay, we're gonna do the socialization thing, let's go. Um, next day, wedding rehearsal, 20 to 30 members of their families. And I'm like, okay, hi, nice to meet you. My name is Emily. All right, okay, I can do this, I can do this. The two people are extroverts who got married, and so they decided it would be a really fun idea to have a young person barbecue at the end of the day, and 40 to 50 people were there, and I was just like, socialization again? Like, can I just go to sleep? Like, can I not be <laughs> an extrovert today? Um, and I know this is all really funny, but we're going to transition into something that isn't so great when it comes to the agents. The day I was getting ready to leave the wedding, the Supreme Court rules that a New York gun control law is unconstitutional. Not even two months after the mass shooting that we had in Buffalo that killed 10 black lives, 
And then I sit with myself and I say, injustice again? And 24 hours later, I wake up to my friend telling me about the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. And I sit with that again. And I wanna pause and I wanna respect the different feelings that are coming into the room right now. I'm a therapist, so I don't know if that means I just like feel that as a superpower, but um, I feel it now as a person. It's really hard to sit with this. And these again moments are not just part of a list to create tension here today. They are a reality that is both true in our cultural society and our personal lives. And I ask you all, is that what your reality looks like today? I know it can be really painful to name what's been going on and the circumstances that we see around us, but I also think that we as a church do a disservice when we rely on euphemisms and when we pretend that Sunday service exists in a bubble that isn't affected by current events. We are not too blessed to be stressed. It's true, guys. I'm not, at least. Um, and at the same time, though, I want to recognize that Sunday service is and should be a place of rest and comfort and healing. And this passage actually illustrates a hope that I really want to slowly usher us into. I say slowly because sometimes we really just need to sit in that discomfort of injustice, of hardships, of trauma, of pain. And we also need to realize that the human urge to fix it right away can be more harmful than helpful. So today, we're gonna try really hard to hold space for both sides of these dichotomies. And I know, I, I, I'm feeling it, right? The, the tightness in the body um, and even just naming these things. But we really are gonna be seesawing between unrest and rest, contemplation and action, and injustice and justice. And that's exactly what we see Jesus doing in this passage. He's navigating a world that's so full of need and so full of injustice, and yet he is justice and he is satisfaction. So verses 1 to 4 read, I think I have it up there, yes, thank you. Uh, in those days, when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat, and if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, and some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? So we not only get the context of the situation, but right off the bat, we see Jesus in a familiar place. Again, a crowd has gathered. Again, they're hungry. And again, Jesus is responding with compassion while the disciples are responding with doubt. And for the rest of the time we have together, we're going to focus on these two very different responses and what they can teach us about how to respond to our again moments. So we see Jesus and his disciples are focused on very different aspects of the situation. The disciples are focused on how many people are in the crowd, and Jesus is more worried about the needs of the crowd. And I would argue that Jesus is focusing on their needs in spite of what his own needs might have been. So I have a theory, bear with me, that Jesus is an INFJ on the Myers-Briggs. 
And we won't spend too much time on this, um, but there's actually a debate on the internet about whether Jesus is an extrovert or an introvert. And so if you're not familiar with the Myers-Briggs type, um, here it is. Uh, we're not going to get into any of these three. We're just looking at extroverts versus introverts. Um, so we see that there's different types of personalities, introvert versus extrovert, sensors versus intuitives, thinkers versus feelers, judgers versus perceivers. And actually, within these different combinations, the INFJ uh, is one of the most unique personality types. It's one of the most rare, which is why a lot of people think that Jesus identifies as such. Um, and according to the scholars of Google and Reddit, um, people believe that Jesus was an introvert. So often like to work alone in small groups, 12 disciples, um, prefer a more deliberate pace, and like to focus on one task at a time. And so the argument is that we often see Jesus praying alone. We see him retreating to desolate places. Um, it's actually the reason that the crowd finds themselves in this predicament with no access to food. So keeping this in mind, and considering the fact that verse 9 says around 4,000 people are in this crowd, probably more as Russell kind of taught us, um, they're only really accounting for the men here, uh, we can assume that Jesus has his own needs during this time. He probably needs to retreat to an actual desolate place. He's probably tired. He's probably done socializing. I love you guys. I love the ways that I get to serve here. But sometimes, after being at reunion for three hours for rehearsal, and then half an hour for a service, I gotta go home. I'm tired, I'm hungry, I gotta use the bathroom, I wanna watch Stranger Things, I need to be alone. <laughs> and that maybe is what Jesus is experiencing right now. And it's 4,000 people. I would like to bet that even the extroverts in the room don't have that great of a social battery to withstand that many people in a crowd. But Jesus focuses on the needs instead of his own, the needs of the people instead of what he might be needing at the moment. And not only does he focus on their needs, he is the one to identify them. No one has to come to Jesus and say, I'm hungry, I need food, I, I gotta go home, you know, it's been nice spending time with you, but can, can I pack some leftovers to go? No, Jesus is the one that knows that if he sends them away hungry, they will faint. And some of them have come from far away. Two important things to note here. Being in Jesus' presence does not exempt us from exhaustion, um, which just really tells us that following Jesus is hard work. It demands us to hold a lot of conflicting spaces. Um, and then the second thing is, some of the people in the crowd had a longer journey home than the rest of the crowd, which means some of them had a higher risk to their health if they left without food. So even in a crowd that is seeking Jesus, that is following Jesus, there was iniquity. There was uh, unequal circumstances. And Jesus shows us that the way to address this is to call it out and to meet the need. To seek justice, we have to identify the injustice. What does it mean to do this today? It means calling out the need. There are so many injustices in our midst in our city, we can walk out and we see rent inequality, gentrification, a need for equal pay for women, difficulty of getting a job for the formerly incarcerated. The list unfortunately seems never ending. And where do we find the church in the midst of these injustices? That's a real question. Where are we as a church, as a body of Christ? And unfortunately, many times, 
it's divided. Take abortion rights, for example. All you have to do is open Instagram to see the discord. Oftentimes very hurtful discord that doesn't consider that real people are impacted by debates. Cool. Um, and sometimes I'm wondering if we're missing the needs around us because we've become so preoccupied with all of this debating and with the need to be right. Do we see the need for better health care? Do we see the need for the parents who don't know how to provide for their child? Do we see the need for equity for people of color and people with low income who are guaranteed to be more affected by this recent Supreme Court decision? But are we also seeing the need of the baby who has yet to be born? Do we see the need of the person who can't have children and is really struggling with the conversations that we're having right now? And some of these questions are really hard for me, personally. I have my own opinions based on my own unique experiences. I've been a trauma therapist in the city. I work with sexually abused children. It's hard. It's really hard to be, hold that opinion and be a Christian. But if my job has taught me anything in my exposures to injustices in our community, it's that there is a face behind that need. I can be really preoccupied and focused on debating and policy and all those things are good, but sometimes I see my colleagues forget that there is a face that is being affected in the work that we do. And that is what Jesus did. Jesus saw the 4,000. He didn't just see them as a crowd that could be sent away because it was convenient for him. He saw their faces and he saw the need for food and he responded by creating access. How are we responding to the needs that are around us? And this is not a question that seeks to judge anyone. Some of us might not even be in a position to address the needs that are around us because we're in need. We need Jesus to come and give us bread and, and fish. Um, but some of us in this room do have privileges that allow us to create access for others or at least point people in the right direction of where they can go. And after today, all of us, no matter where we find ourselves in our faith journeys, um, if this is the first time you've attended a church, we're all in the position to point people to Jesus. And he is the OG identifier and satisfier of needs. The disciples missed this opportunity in Mark 8. They were caught up in their own perspectives of the situation. Verse 4 says, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? We see the disciples are focusing on the wrong details of the situation. People, bread, place. Too many people, not enough bread. We're in the middle of nowhere. Where are we going to get food? That's what they're focused on here. And in focusing on the context, they lose sight of the need. They no longer see the faces of the people and what they're actually asking for. I want to challenge us here to consider the moments when we found ourselves in the same position as the disciples. Are you caught up in your own perspective that you're missing what it truly means to follow Jesus? Luckily for us, Jesus did not and does not grow tired of helping the disciples grow in their faith. In fact, only a couple of verses down, I actually don't think I put this in here, but we see Jesus telling his disciples, again, do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000 and then again for the 4,000? Jesus doesn't tire of teaching us when we forget. But while I was reading, I couldn't cut as much slack for the disciple. 
These are people who literally walked the most closely with Jesus. They saw him feed the crowd before. Why were they missing the mark? At least this time they didn't send them away hungry because that's what they tried to do for the 5,000 is send them away, Jesus. We're done. We gave them word. You can go now. But unfortunately, we experience this way too often in our lives today. People who walk with Jesus but are focused on the wrong things and consequently hurt people more than they're healing people. I've gotten to speak to so many of you who've been hurt by people who claim to be Jesus followers, who not only miss the mark, but are also judging you for what you lack. Disciples have labeled you as a lost cause. They've ignored your needs. They've given up too quickly. And I'm really sorry for that. I'm sorry for the times that the church focused on your context instead of your need. And I'm sorry for the times that you've been sent away by the church to figure things out in isolation when you really needed community. I'm sorry for the times that the followers of Jesus have been obstacles instead of pointers to God. And I'm sorry that someone gave you the wrong impression of who Jesus is. And I have to pause here and acknowledge that I've been on both sides of this apology. I've been the reason someone has left the church. And I've been the one ready to leave God. But if this story is going to teach us anything today, let us teach us that Jesus does not let us go home without being satisfied. Thank you, God. I'm so sorry for the tears, but I just feel it so deeply in my heart when people don't get to see who God really is because of the followers that are so caught up in other things when I've been caught up in other things and I've forgotten to serve. I've forgotten to lay down my own judgments, my own opinions to just serve the face that's in front of me. So verse 6 to 8 reads, oh, and it's beautiful. I promise you, I said I would usher us slowly into hope. And, and it, this is really great, guys. This is the grand finale that Jesus has for us. Whew. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full, and there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. Three powerful images in these first three verses. 4,000 people gathered together on the ground getting their needs met collectively. I don't know if you guys have ever been at a picnic, but if I bet if we all were to sit, each other, to sit on the ground right now, there would be a different shift and level of community. It just has that, that's why I love picnics. It just has that way of leveling. If you're super tall and I'm super short, I somehow can still be at eye level with you. It's the magic of sitting on the ground. Um, but it's so beautiful that Jesus doesn't give them food and send them away one by one. Right? If we're going to think of efficiency, 
that might be the way. Okay, send them home, it's late, I'm tired. I don't know if y'all have ever hosted before, but you want people to leave your home. You don't want people to stay when you're tired. But Jesus says, no, we're all gonna sit down today and we're gonna break thread and we're gonna give thanks. And everyone in this space is going to be satisfied as a community, as a group. And then the second image is the disciples being the ones chosen to serve the great crowd. You just saw me get super emotional about the disciples that we might encounter in our lives. But I can imagine the crowd didn't know that there was doubt in the disciples, but the disciples did. I can imagine the disciples maybe even asking themselves, oh man, I totally forgot about the 5,000. I totally forgot about Jesus' ability to do a miracle. But now is my chance for redemption. Now is my chance to serve and to really right that wrong that existed in my heart. And that's so beautiful that Jesus allows them that opportunity to do that. And then the final image is just of satisfaction. The Greek word translates to filled or fatten. And I don't, yeah, some, some people were laughing, but it's just like, you know, that feeling when you're just belly is like, yeah, you know, like I can, I feel like as I do it, you guys can see it. Like, you know, you know, you know what food you're imagining in your belly when that happens. Um, I don't actually know what it would be for me. Maybe like McDonald's apple pie with a McFlurry, <laughs> Oreo McFlurry combined. Yes, Will. Yes. So good. I'm sorry, God. That's not what we're talking about today. Um, but being filled and being satisfied, that's the outcome of all of this. We start with injustice, we start with people who probably would faint sooner than others, and we end with everyone either being redeemed or being satisfied or filled. And so my question to us all today is what do you need to be filled with? Maybe your food needs have been met, but are you lacking hope? Are you lacking self-love? Are you lacking faith? Or maybe you identify with the disciples in need of a reminder of Jesus' ability to do miracles. Whether we find ourselves in the position of the disciples or the position of the great crowd, Jesus offers access to both redemption and to satisfaction. So we had an awesome preacher come visit us about a month ago, and she led us in a guided prayer, and I want us to do something similar, because um, I really loved this invitation to just come before God and have our needs be seen and be met in community like the 4,000 did. Um, I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know how that's going to look like, but I really just want to encourage you to use this time and use this space to release whatever is in your heart individually, but also with awareness that we're all here together. We're all broken together. We're all suffering. No matter what side we find ourselves in the current events of our time, we're all here because Jesus can satisfy. Jesus can fill us. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and whatever posture you want to take as we kind of just pray together. And the first movement that this preacher led us, is, led us in was pausing pausing to think about how this word, how God is speaking to us today. Second movement is reflecting. Reflecting on what our need might be. 
reflecting on whether we are in the position of the disciple or if we're in the position of the great crowd. And then the third movement was to ask, to ask God for what you might need on this day, what you might need in this season, whether it's to be filled with something, with hope, whether it's opportunity to be redeemed, to ask for forgiveness for that person that you may have wronged. And then the last movement is just to submit, to submit to God's will, to submit to God's ability to do miracles, even now. I'm gonna pray for us all to end. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this moment to just pause and exhale. Maybe today we've gotten to unload some baggage we've been carrying around our shoulders. Maybe today was painful because it reminded us of the time that disciples came into our lives and treated us unfairly. Maybe we're just in need, in need to be filled, in need of your love, in need of your community, God. I pray that whatever it is, Lord, that you meet every single person individually, in a special way, but that we also are just joined together in community and can be fed and rejoice that we are filled in you, God. We are filled by you. I know it's hard work reflecting your love. It's hard work being the hands and feet of Jesus, and we get it wrong sometimes, and we come before you asking for forgiveness, repenting of our sins, Lord. And I just pray, God, for restoration in Jesus' name in this room today, for healing of hearts and of minds, for the ability to really see and understand the face behind the needs that sometimes we talk about, but we don't fully understand. Challenge us today, God, wherever we find ourselves. Challenge us to be more like you, to think more like you, and to feed the 4,000 as you did. In Jesus' name we pray.